Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. As a child, Alice Henschke often visited the local hospital with her father, a local GP obstetrician in Armadale. She knew she would follow in her father's footsteps, and she also knew she wanted to practice in a regional area as a general physician. That was until she did a term in intensive care, and that's where she found her place in the world, balancing a busy career with family and capturing the best of what rural intensive care offers, interesting medicine, meaningful relationships and deeply satisfying work. Alice takes Heather Dawson back to the start. Medicine's always been a really big part of my life. My father is a GP obstetrician, the rural GP obstetrician. We grew up in Armidale in northern New South Wales and and I was born in Armidale. And so my whole life I was exposed to medicine and the wonderful aspects of regional community life where my father was a really big part of the community. And so I always wanted to be a doctor or a vet. I loved animals. And then towards the end of school, I just realised that medicine became more the one that I wanted to study. And so I um, I applied to the University of New South Wales as an undergraduate, the undergraduate program. They had actually a scheme that encouraged students from regional areas. So I got entry via, uh, it was just called the Rural Entrance Scheme, I think, um, if I could remember. And and yeah, it was it was great. So how would you describe your current role, Alice? So I'm an intensive care specialist and I work at Orange Health Service where I'm a visiting medical officer. At Orange, we have a 13-bed intensive care. It's a level five intensive care, which means that we manage a a real mix of quite complex, critically unwell patients and post-operative patients, a lot of trauma, both elective and non-elective admissions. We're capable of providing very high level services. There's no restrictions on how long we can keep patients. The only things that we don't have services for are cardiothoracics and neurosurgery. But apart from that, I work in a, in a great unit that also, I suppose, has roles in the hospital outside of intensive care in responding to the deteriorating patients on the ward and with the critically unwell patients in emergency and anaesthetics and things like that. There's five, well, the five main intensivists that work in Orange, but there's a group of seven of us that all have appointments there and we, we do a week at a time and sort of rotate through doing that. So tell us, what drew you to intensive care? As a medical student, I loved, I suppose I loved everything actually, and, um, and so I thought I wanted to be a general physician. I liked surgery, but I knew I didn't want to be a surgeon from fairly reasonably early on. I thought, no, I want to be a physician. I like that aspect of medicine and and I wanted to be a general physician because, yeah, as I said, I liked looking after all patients. I didn't want to specialise in renal medicine or cardiology or things like that. And then as a resident, I did an anaesthetic term and I, I really enjoyed the physiology of it and the acuteness of the medicine the drugs and things you used it had such instantaneous effect on the patient. And I thought, oh, gee, I quite like this. And um, and then I thought, oh, I wonder whether if you had a combination of anaesthetics and general medicine, 
that it'd be an intensive care and and I thought oh maybe that's what I'd like and then I actually did a term in intensive care as a resident and I loved it and I knew that that's what I wanted to do and and ever since I've been very pleased with my career choice. Well I believe you've said that you even like the lifestyle and how can that be? Oh it's an interesting one because the lifestyle suits me. I like that when I'm on I'm on and it's really busy and pretty much my whole focus is the work. But then when I'm off, I'm off. So when we're not on on call, we hand over the unit of patients to the next intensivist. And so, you know, while I'm interested, always interested as to what happens with the patients that you've devoted so much time and energy in your week on, I'm always interested to see how they go. But, you know, in my weeks off, I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old and I love being a mum at home and I'm thinking about their athletics carnival or we've just had my eight-year-old's birthday party where we had a Lego birthday party and I was making a Lego cake and my life's quite compartmentalised into sort of work and then family and I like it. I mean, it's you do do on call and you do work a lot of weekends, but I've even found when I was doing the training time, I preferred the week on, week off structure because I liked having days off during the week when I did terms in medicine and you worked Monday to Friday, I found I didn't like that as much. I liked working seven days on, seven days off, which is basically the the pattern that a lot of intensive care trainees do. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the pathway that you took to fellowship? So I did my intern and residency in Orange. Even in medical school, I always knew that I liked these bigger regional towns. Armidale was a great place to grow up. I grew up there. I did all my schooling there and only left there to go to university because at that time there wasn't a medical degree offered at Armidale University, which now there actually is, but there wasn't. And so I went to Sydney. And But I always knew that I wanted to go back to a regional centre and And the government has these rural cadetships where they help fund or kind of give you a scholarship in the final two years of your degree if you say that you'll work your first and second year out in a regional centre and the options were Orange, Tamworth, Wagga or Albury. And because I knew I wanted to do that anyway, I I took up a rural cadetship. But I also thought that, that you actually, as a junior doctor, I think that you get better training in a regional centre. You're one of a smaller group you know the consultants, there's less hierarchy above you. you, you often take on a lot more responsibility. And so I thought it was a really great place to to start your career as a junior doctor. And so I chose Orange and so I did my internal residency. And then once, as I said, I, as a resident, I decided that I wanted to do intensive care. So I joined up with the college and the training program there as a PGY2. But for my PGY3, Orange had the really good critical care SRMO year. So I did six months of anaesthetics and six months of intensive care, which again was an, it was an excellent year where I got a lot of exposure to excellent medicine and got to take on a lot of responsibility, probably above what a lot of other doctors would as a PGY3. And so, and then after that, though, I went to Sydney to a larger tertiary ICU to continue my training. So I went to Royal North Shore and had a great time there. It was a wonderful hospital to train And then I did my primary exams while I was in Sydney. And then in intensive care, you have to do a lot of or a considerable amount of non-ICU time. So you have to do 12 months of anaesthetic training and 12 months of general medicine. And when I was a resident, I actually met my husband out here in Orange. And so we had strong ties with family back here in Orange. And so I actually arranged to do the rest of my anaesthetic time and my medicine back in Orange. So 
I did that and then went back to Sydney for the final two years of my training to do what then was called your advanced training and do my fellowship exams. And I was at both Royal Prince Alfred Hospital and North Shore. Yeah, and then finished in 2000 and uh, beginning of 2017 was when I got my fellowship. Now, talking about intensive care, though, Alice, how do you view the options to practice intensive care? What sort of settings are available in Australia? Uh, so... Look, there's intensive care units are graded. So I mentioned before that Orange is a level five intensive care. I mean, the town needs to be big enough to have at least a level four or level five intensive care unit that is usually run by actual fellows of the College of Intensive Care Medicine. Often the smaller units, the level three ones, can be run by the general physicians in the hospital or the anaesthetist might oversee them. And they're probably not what you would see as a true intensive care unit that what we would train for to look after. So there's um, a lot of opportunities in places like, well, within New South Wales, there's spaces like Dubbo, Coffs Harbour, Tari, Grafton, Armidale. They all have, you know, a range of level four and level five units. So, you know, while, the, yes, there's a big tertiary centres in Sydney, a lot of units there, there's I actually don't know off the top of my head how many units there are, even just in New South Wales, but around Australia, but there are a lot of opportunities. And one of the great things about intensive care, because you do those, you work for a week and then you hand over to another one, you can actually work in a couple of different units. I do a little bit of work back in Sydney at the Northern Beaches Hospital and I can still live in Orange and, and go down there for four or five weeks a year. I've I've been up to Coffs Harbour, which is where my parents live now, but um, I've done a locum up there and you can go and see different units. So it's, it's not unusual for an intensivist to, to not necessarily live in the town that they work in. So they will come in and work for the time and then can live, live wherever you like, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've spoken about how much you enjoy your chosen role as an intensive care. But what about the challenges, Alice? Yeah, look, I think it can be very challenging. I mean, you... You know, the outcomes are not always good. I mean, we deal with a lot of people at the end of their life and these can be both more expected and also very unexpected deaths. So there is a lot of sadness and and so you deal with families with a lot of grief and it can be quite draining. And so I think it's, I find aspects of that very rewarding because you can help families and patients to have the best possible time they can have at the end of their lives. And so while it can be very challenging, it can also be very rewarding. It can be quite draining, not just emotionally, but physically. I mean, we work seven days on and we're on for 24 hours for those seven days. So, you know, we'll work out during the day in the unit and and if it's busy, you might uh, stay till quite late at night, not get home till sort of nine, ten o'clock at night, and then you're on call and you might get phone calls for much of the night or called back in to come and and then you have to turn up the next day and um and work. So, you know, it can be quite tiring like that. And and certainly some of the bigger units are moving away from intensivists working such long stretches of days and doing more of the sharing of the on call because it can be quite onerous from that point of view. But I think it's um you know, the patients can be very sick and they get very sick very quickly. And so you, things are very fast paced and so you have to keep up with that. And that can be a challenge, but 
I don't know, as I say, they're the bits that I love about it and that you enjoy. So both the challenges are the good things too. (laughs) Do you think it takes a particular personality? Yes. I mean, there are a broad range of people that have gone into intensive care, but I think there's certainly some common traits. I think you need to have a love of sort of physiology and complex pathology. You have to, in some ways, be a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. I mean, you like that bit of a rush of a of an emergency situation and dealing with it and I think you really need to like people you deal with a lot of people not just the patients the patients families you get very close to but you deal with almost every other department in the hospital I I always say that's what I really like is that you know virtually every other department comes to visit you because you look after their patients so right across from obstetrics and the surgical teams the medical teams anaesthetics pediatrics it's all of the the disciplines you get to deal with and I really really like that so I think you need to have good communication skills and and I think also at a level of attention to detail sometimes I joke it's a bit OCD because it's the attention to detail with looking after the patients is what makes the difference in their outcome. So what advice would you give to a junior medical officer considering a career in critical care in intensive care? Look, I think you need to have a go at it before you decide that this is the career that you want. There are a lot of critical care SRMO years kind of aimed at PGY3, PGY4, where you will get an opportunity to spend some time in the emergency department, in anaesthetics and intensive care. And I think it's very hard to know whether it's really a career for you until you've had a go at it. Because I think as a medical student, it's hard you know, until you really start working in it and getting engrossed in it, do you really see what it's actually like? And so I think I definitely recommend having a term in it. And, and I also recommend that even if you don't necessarily think that critical care is your absolute chosen career path, then one of those critical care years is an invaluable one to give general skills for people who will go off to do physician's training and, and just to deal with unwell patients and have a bit of a feel of that. So I think... That would be the main thing is to have a go at it and to see whether it is for you. What if you really weren't sure at all which direction you wanted to go in as a junior medical officer? What would be your advice then, Alice? Uh, I think, again, it's that I wouldn't be worried if you've got no idea. I think often there can be a bit of an unrealistic push to try and decide your career choice when you're a medical student. And I think it's just so different from when you're working in that career and I think how would you ever know that that's what you want and and so I mean I do I have a teaching position with Sydney University and so I do spend a fair bit of time with the medical students and I always say look you know don't worry just enjoy have a turn in your different terms and see what you like and I said even really once you get to being a junior doctor still don't worry if you don't know what you want to do get a broad exposure to everything and you'll realize down the track and because I think if you set yourself up too early and you've started to tailor your CV to, you know, a surgical pathway and then you get a couple of years in and you go, look, I actually really don't want to do that. You've almost set yourself back further than just keeping an open mind and going, look, it doesn't really matter if it takes me one or two years. Every one of those years that you're working is really great experience and will ultimately make you a better doctor. So is there any piece of advice that you've received along the way during your training or in your career that stuck with you, Alice? Ah, that's a very good question. I mean, I think there's so many things that you learn along the way that it's hard to, I wouldn't know where to start. 
I remember one time an intensivist told me that it's actually harder to do nothing than to do something and, you know, and said just sometimes you need to actually sit on your hands and don't try to fiddle too much. And, you know, I often say that to the junior doctors, that if you strive to make somebody's observations perfect or do these things that sometimes you can cause more harm and just need to to sit and allow time to see what's actually happening. Okay, well, final question. (laughs) Are there any memorable moments in your career thus far, obviously, that you'd like to share with us? Oh, wow. Now, um, I think as you can tell, I do really love my job and there's memorable moments almost every, well, not every day, but, but quite frequently. I think there's certainly the clinical memorable moments that sometimes are not always good outcomes for the patients, but, you know, are very memorable. Sometimes it's just that they're a great character that you've met. Some Patients that often come from regional areas or the rural ones can be quite characters that we even had one patient that got, I think it was, he saw a red belly black snake or a brown snake trying to to attack these little birds in his garden. And so he went out to save the birds, got bitten by the snake, but then couldn't go to hospital because he was in his gardening clothes. So thought that he had to, I think he was about 80 or something. He was not not young. So thought, oh no, I need to go in, have a shower, have a shave, get dressed and then present to hospital after he's been bitten by a brown snake. And look, he survived. He did get a little bit sick for a bit, but characters like that you just can't write that in a story if you came up with those (laughs) sorts of things but I mean I think there's also the ones like my career memorable ones I mean getting my fellowship that was just an amazing day all the hard work and and almost the relief as well because you put so much time and effort and there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of pressure on your family as well to allow you to be working and studying and getting through these amazingly hard exams at the end and then you know that that's it and so the moment that you open the envelope to say that you've passed and that that it's all been worth it and the sacrifice has been worth it that's that's oh, unforgettable and it was and one of the great things about that was when I did my fellowship exams there was a group of us who were very close that had been training a lot together and we were all up in Brisbane and it was really yeah very special well Final, final question. (laughs) (laughs) Orange is where you are. Is Orange where you'll stay? No regrets about a regional centre? No. Look, Orange is an amazing place. I actually was just looking. We we did a a video with the College of Intensive Care Medicine about promoting regional centres for intensive care training, and I was watching the video again this morning. And, look, Orange is just an amazing mix of cosmopolitan lifestyle plus beautiful nature. It's got Mount Canobolis, Lake Canobolis, and easily accessible to get around. It takes five minutes to get to work. It, you don't have to deal with peak hour traffic. It's got great schools and it's really not that far from Sydney if you need to get it. It's got an excellent hospital that's got amazing services, a really nice feel amongst the healthcare team at the hospital. And and yeah, I'm always very proud of it when people come to visit and I say, yeah, no, this is a, a great place to live and I will definitely be here for a long time. Dr. Alice Henschke, Intensive Care Specialist with Orange Health Service. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.